Welcome to the EverSeline podcast, the show that ignites your passion for leadership and empowers you to develop a culture of continuous improvement. I'm your host, Matt Sims, and in each episode, we bring you fascinating insights and invaluable tips from our incredible lineup of guests. What do they all have in common? They share an unwavering dedication to excellence and are the experts in driving engagement, improving metrics, and reducing costs. The Ever So Lean Podcast with Matt Sims. You know it makes sense. This episode is sponsored by Catalyst Consulting Limited. Catalyst Consulting exists to help people and organisations work better today and be ready for tomorrow. They have a rich history of igniting business transformation using business agility, lean, Six Sigma, strategy deployment, agile and change management. They can help you and your organisation to develop the skills necessary to work and manage differently. To find out more, check out catalystconsulting.co.uk. Welcome back to another enlightening episode of the Ever Celine podcast, where today we have a true trailblazer in the field of enterprise learning and development gracing our virtual studio. It's my utmost pleasure to introduce our esteemed guest, Steve Deneen, a visionary founder of Fuse, a groundbreaking enterprise learning and knowledge platform that has revolutionized the way people engage with learning experiences. Now, Steve's journey as a serial tech entrepreneur has been nothing short of extraordinary. With a remarkable track record, Steve successfully scaled and sold the UK digital learning venture Fuel, making it Europe's second largest bespoke digital learning platform, catering to 40 of the FTSE 100. But his ambitions go far beyond business success. Steve's passion for democratising education for all shines through in his transformative initiatives, especially his brainchild, Fuse School. This incredible educational platform delivers GCSE-grade education to millions around the globe, absolutely free. Now, throughout the years, Steve has been at the forefront of cutting-edge technology, especially AI and its boundless potential in the realm of learning. His insights have been shared with eager audiences, including myself, at prominent industry events across the UK. So join us today as we delve into Steve's journey, his profound impact on enterprise learning, his unwavering dedication to shaping a brighter future for education, and learn about how AI is making waves in the learning world. So without further ado, let's meet the man himself, Steve. Welcome to the Everseline podcast. Wow, that's some intro, Matt. There you go. You need a round of applause <laughs> and some more zeros on that salary. <laughs> yeah, lovely to be here. And thanks so much for having the opportunity to talk about my passion. Oh, no, honestly, the pleasure is, is all mine. Having been at a couple of the, uh, the learning events that you've been at and hearing you speak, you can just so tell that it is your passion. It's 100% what you believe in. You love it and it just oozes from you. That's absolutely true. No, and um, yeah, looking forward to getting dug in. Like you said, it's it is a uh, it's hard when I start talking about it not to get overly excited. So I get too excited and start talking too quick. Calm me down. So I'll slow you down. It's the joy of podcasting. I can slow it down to a slower oh, yeah. slower rate. See, no, no, no. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> he starts talking like he's drunk. You know that was me playing with it. <laughs> So look, I've touched on your career just then, right? Can you take us back to the early days of Fuse and tell us what inspired you to start this remarkable journey and how you envisioned it changing the landscape of learning and development? Well, it's actually quite funny, right? So I think there were two, there were two drivers. There was the driver of Fuse School, which was, I guess, 
after selling my first company, it was illegal for me to work in the known universe for the next kind of you know 12 months. That was in my contract, right? So I had some time out and I had a bit of cash and I'd just been divorced actually. So, and I had no kids at the time. So I was absolutely free to kind of like run a challenge, which had been in the back of my head, which when I, I went to developing countries, you know, and you really saw poverty for the first time at that level, it, you know, really stuck to say is there something you can do to nudge that forward to do a little bit, you know, your little bit to contribute towards a change in the world. So there was that driver. And then there was also the other driver, which was despite the success of the first company, we were still creating the first generation of online courses. And I think many people have gone through them, you know, your, your health and safety course when you put that next button and somebody's like, you know, just, just wishing that some of the ground would, would take you away so you can get <laughs> yes. through to the end of it as soon I've as possible, there. right? And, <laughs> right, and we were winning awards. We were winning awards for that, which in essence, my R&D director used to say to me, Steve, what are we doing? And I was like, yeah, you're probably right, right? I mean, and that was, that was not a bad summary. So I, I really believe there had to be a better way to do you know, digital learning to, to adults. So I think there was these two drivers. One is to, to somehow impact uh, the kids that couldn't get access to education, democratise education for all and play a, play a piece inside that. And the second one was an adult education, which was there must be a better way than boring people to death. There has to be. I didn't necessarily know the right answer to either of those, but that was the motivation. And I think you're so spot on. And I'm a firm believer that the, the traditional education system is broken. The educational system is a big system, therefore changing government and schools and so forth that that's that's not going to happen overnight and i think the second thing is learning designers educators they tend to design how they probably want to learn mm. so which is why you probably ended up you know you look at the corporate industry and the reason why we ended up with this kind of like the type of unhealthy type of learning we did which was next 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 oh god i've got to the quiz right was that was initially designed as a format for the u.s government right the, the department of defense it came out that as a standard and if you're training the military that you probably want a slightly different style of learning yeah, yeah. if you're training military education versus corporate education. But the same thing is like, you know, the, the, the child education is done still pretty much predominantly from Victorian age. So which is, you know, not, not too different to that military education, which is I'm going to talk at you, you're going to retain everything, and then you're going to hopefully understand how to apply that in some type of way, right? But I think, yeah, challenging is, is hard, right? A lot of people look at that and go, it's too hard to, to challenge the whole thing. Mm. So maybe I'll just go along with the on the flow you, you made me laugh to myself because you, when you describe the next 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 just get to the quiz i've done <laughs> online training before right where the training set for 30 minutes it says it will take no longer than 30 minutes i've gone next next, next 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 all the way to the quiz and spent more than 40 50 minutes trying to pass the quiz without doing the training it would only have taken me half an hour to do it properly <laughs> yeah well yeah and I, yeah and I, and I think that and i think that's what we wanted to break right we wanted because i guess the difference was my first company to my second company by then youtube and facebook and google had had become big companies these weren't actually big companies 20 years ago right i mean some of them didn't even exist 20 years ago so we, we as humans have chosen how we want to behave online you know the, and the companies have understood that and they are tuning and continue to fine-tune their offerings to pull us in to to attract us to to both through you know great kind of uh, great content easy to, you know easy to use systems ai that's personalizing it to to the hyper degree so a lot of the answers i think have already been solved in our consumer lives and i guess we've just been a little bit slow to bring that into both school education and corporate adult education i do wonder if sort of in the year because I, I worked out my daughter the other day i worked out she could actually still be around in the year 3000 and i was like wonder what it'll be like then if things have changed in the world like what where will we be and of course at the moment you've got all this stuff going on with america about all of these like aliens and all this stuff coming out about that and you think wow you know what's true there <laughs> 
so much going on. Have you been following it? No, between AI and aliens, I focused more of my time on AI recently, but it still does feel. Like, <laughs> it still does feel, yeah, that that uh, yeah, we're, we're in a crazy period of change right now, aren't we? I'm starting to genuinely believe that there's technology out there that's been reverse engineered from alien craft that the Americans have got hidden in a bunker somewhere. And the more I hear about it, the more I think, actually, this has got to be true. Because there's some seriously senior people from the military coming out and saying this. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that I'm a world expert on alien, alien technology. Um, <laughs> That's what you came on to talk about, <laughs> yeah, it? It's what you're yeah, here yeah, for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, that, but do I believe that? I mean, I thought, I thought Elon Musk's um, quote the other day was interesting, right? Was saying, you know, what if people are right and there are no aliens and we are the only part of consciousness that exists in a dark universe? Well, that's a bit depressing. <laughs> that is, it's true, though, isn't it? That is very depressing. If we, if we are the height of the consciousness of the universe, right? Well, yeah, we are the pinnacle. That, that's a scary concept, right? So let's hope, uh, is, let's hope yeah. that's not the case and there are aliens around. Wow, yeah, it's terrifying. Old <laughs> Professor Brian, I can't remember his surname now. Brian Cox. Brian Cox. Yeah, mm. he was saying the other day, and he, and he did some math on it, and he was saying that there's X number of uh, stars and X number of planets, and he goes, if we just doubled that, and he worked out basically that if, if there was worlds that sort of developed billions of years before us in theory they're billions of years ahead of us in terms mm -hmm. of their technology and their understanding and, and it made me think wow we, we could be miles behind but equally like you just said we could be miles ahead i mean you just you just don't know do you or, or they could have all had the climate change problem and not solved it yeah or yeah or move somewhere else yeah <laughs> or they've had ai and ai solved it for them yeah, oh, which nice. is kind of scary. I watched Mission Impossible the other day, and it, that was kind of scary when you, you think about... I mean, it is, I mean, you look at that and think, you know, there was in that movie, the AI took over, which is a common theme in, you know, Terminator and, and Matrix and so forth. But I don't know, when you start looking at it and you think you've now got... The AI is able to write its own code these days. Yeah. So could the AI become sentient and rewrite its own code? You know, I mean, you think, well, it's not that hard for someone to kind of make a slight mistake. Anyway, let's not depress it between aliens and AI. Who's going to take over first? <laughs> But, but yeah yeah my money's on the ai at the moment but you told me a really interesting story when i was in london the other week uh, i don't know if you remember and you were telling me about how uh, a piece of ai had written its own script and the people that uh, were releasing it were like well, we don't know how this has happened because like we didn't program it to do that well that was i mean there were quotes both from i think the ceo of, of google and the ceo of open ai which is the same thing they said the same thing the, the google one was what one of their ais was answering questions uh that questions came in and answering it in bengali and they were like that's amazing especially amazing that actually we never taught them in bengali and no idea how it learned that <laughs> right and you're like wow well, and you were like whoa, 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 whoa. but you're google right you're the ceo of google and if you don't understand how your ai is learning by itself that's a little bit. Are you in control? And if you're if you're if you're the CEO of Google and you don't think you're in control, then yeah, it gets. I'm a little bit scared now. Yeah, that is frightening. But it's really coming up everywhere now. I mean, my TikTok is absolutely alive with Johnny Cash singing recent pop songs or Elvis singing um, "Baby Got Back" and stuff like that. And it, you wouldn't know the difference. You really wouldn't. Well, we did. We did. We did one last week, right? So just as, it was kind of a bit of a final experiment, just on the on the fly. So we we had um, one of our sales teams get-togethers, and we all want them to present and pitch kind of one of the new, the new services we're doing. So. And, and all our meetings are kind of recorded with, with an AI, right? So so everyone, there's about seven, eight people in that particular team. They all did their pitches all recorded. And at the end of it, they thought, okay, well, let's actually, let's take the, you know, the, the transcript that was done, created by AI. Let's put that into another AI, just cut and paste it, put it into it and say, can you now make a 600 word summary using the best of these top eight salespeople, 
you know, um, of that, pitching that concept. And it came out and it was better than everyone's, right? It was better than everyone's. Then, then we took it, put it into, took the, took the text, quickly put it in into another AI, which we've got, which pressed the button and said, can you now get Obama to actually deliver the pitch, right? <laughs> so <we> literally, <laughs> but, but you figure that in five minutes, right? In five minutes, I, I've got, I've collated the collective intelligence of my best team, improved it with the AI by bringing collective intelligence and AI together, and then humorously made it more engaging by using Obama to present it all. Obviously, there's copyright and, and ethic issues of using Obama, yeah. but it's just for a bit of fun towards doing it. But it, to your point, it shows you how, I mean, our team are mind blown, right? We took a lot of time to create actually a four minute video version of what we thought was that story. But that process of collective intelligence plus AI was better in five minutes. That's remarkable, isn't it? Absolutely so remarkable. Cool. It's it's t- it's everywhere. I mean, there's two camps that I come across, particularly with things like Chat GPT. You got one camp that go, "This is absolutely amazing. It's revolutionised what I do. It's made things a lot easier." Then the other camp go, "I don't like it. It's taking my job away. I'm I'm worried I'm going to lose my job." What would you say to that? I mean, the quote that you always hear out there, right, is it's not AI that's going to take your job. It's somebody using AI that's going to take your job, <laughs> right? So, and there's, and I think what you're really saying is you've got to get, you got to get on the horse, right? You've got to get on the donkey and run it because if you're putting your head in the sand and that's not a great place to be, it's, it's like, you know, mobile phones come along and people say, no, I'm going to stick to my landline. I'm never going to move because I don't believe in it, right? It's, it's just a technology innovation and it is going to both accelerate. It's, it's it, you know, it turns Tony Stark into Iron Man, right? You know, yeah. because he's got Jarvis available. Hopefully we, we avoid Ultron, you know, so we avoid <laughs> they're, they're taking over the world. Back to that again. But yeah, I mean, obviously like, I'm fully in the, the part of, I can see both in terms of my product, how it makes a far better product across different varieties of AI to allow me to provide a, a better service and greater value to my customers. I, I can see it in my kids and my few school, you know, how it can, it accelerates everything I want to do in my mission and my vision around democratizing education for, for, for children and then for internal staff, right? It, it, I don't think there's a function. It changes that it doesn't impact that makes me more productive. I mean, you know, as the example I just used there, right. Or, you know, I, I was taking some sales data, took, like, took our sales pipeline, you know, uh, put it into a piece of AI. And I was literally within like two minutes, I'm able to, to ask questions of it, which is, you know, so what, what's my commit, my commitment for the next three months, who's growing the pipeline the right way. I'm just natural language. Mm-hmm. I'm literally within minutes, right, able to ask direct natural language questions and get insights from. I'm able to take all transactional data from a customer so I can look internally. And actually, I, I looked at my, my sales marketing team again and just, again, gave it a bunch of data super quick and then, then asked them, you know, which, which videos should these salespeople, should Max and John and, and, and Richard and Mary watch that's going to help them be better with their job based upon what other people are watching and what the high performance are watching. And again, within 60 seconds, it's come back and say, I recommend these based on all the transactional data that we've got. And the fact that knows who the high performers and, and non-high performers are, I recommend this video to these people, this video to that person. And here's the reason why. That's amazing. It is. It is. I mean, it doesn't always work though, right? So again, I'd use another example on last Friday. So I was, I was, <laughs> this is when it doesn't work out. Right. So, and it's interesting, so I was, uh, I was invited to Ascot, right? So someone invited me to a ticket to Ascot. So I tried the normal type, you know, technique of Beckman horses, which is whatever horse name looks the most fake, looks the most yeah. um, likable to you. <laughs> that didn't work out so well. So then I went to numbers. That didn't really work out so well. Then I went to the crowd. I went to, I got the WhatsApp group to my team. Say, hey, guys, uh, here's, the, here's the people. Who do you like? That didn't work. I still haven't won a race, right? In six races, right? So still got nothing. So I thought, all right, let me turn to AI, you know, see what we can do. So I, I um, took a picture of the of the form so it has like all the horses and and what they've done in the last part so I took a quick picture 
which then use AI to OCR it. So it OCRs it and turns that image, that picture into text. Took the text, cut and pasted it into an AI that says, based upon all this knowledge, can you analyze it for me? And then I was like, I've got £30 to spend on this particular bet. How do you recommend it break down? And it was like, I, I recommend £5 in here, £10 in here. It quite, <laughs> even things I didn't have, I didn't understand what they were, right? So I just gave it to the lady and said, look, can you put these bets on me and stuff? So I've used all, all those techniques. And what happened? What happened? I lost. Won nothing all day. Nothing all day. No way. Sometimes you got to look at it and go, today's not your day. I uh, mean, in fairness, in fairness to it, I came closer with the AI, right? I thought I'd won at the last race, right? There was a horse called Something Panther. And it, and it was, um, I, every race I'd been doing, like, come first or second on it. And it, and it was an no, outside, outside horse. And he came in second. I was like, oh, I've won something. The AI is on one something. But I looked at it and go, no, just place the win. No. Oh, no. So, yeah, but I, I had a little moment of celebration, though. But, yeah, outside of that. Then I thought we'd do the last one, which is Random Finger. So that, yeah, I was off. I, I said, I, I can't do the last race. I'm on the way home. Got to pick the kids up. So I did random finger the last one and that didn't work either. So oh, some days are just not your day. Bad, Even AI it? can't help you. No, yeah, time to no. go home. It's yeah. an interesting thought though that of using AI because it can then take all of that and you know, you've got professional gamblers that, that study and understand all that. AI can do that in a second. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, afterwards, I was thinking, again, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not a big gambler in any ways, right? But yeah, you're right. And I'm sure there's people out there doing it. But obviously with LLMs now and, and generative AI, the ability to feed all that in into a system, including live data, it's this is what happened the last races, this is what the weather's like, all that type side. Because the, the person taking the bet said, look, to be fair, the only people that ever win here are the people that understand horses. So undoubtedly, right, what that could do, I'm sure, I'm sure there must be someone out there doing an app, but if they're not, they probably haven't done that because they're going to keep all the money to themselves. <laughs> but, <they're, laughs> but, they, you know, but the ability to close the gap between someone who's an expert, right, and someone that, like me who's got no idea, I could probably be maybe half the way to that person and maybe lose less money or get the occasional win every now and then, which may be a little bit more happy. So, and it's, and I think that's, that's one of the amazing attributes here. And that's at the heart of learning education. How do we accelerate to the best people faster and even make the best people slightly better? Yeah, absolutely. And that leads me very nicely onto my next question. So as someone with a real keen interest in AI's potential in learning, how do you see AI transforming the traditional educational landscape in the coming year? So I sort of next five, 10 years. And what opportunities does it present for learners and educators, both both sides of the coin? Yeah, and I think it's, it's loads, right? I mean, I think ultimately the end goal, the end goal is accelerates learning, right? It accelerates learning, reduces the cost to, to create that, that learning and the impact of that. I think specifically, then you start to bucket in and say, well, what's the maybe the five or six different areas that it really helps on both those sides? So I think on one bit, it removes barriers. So you look at, for example, language and AI language now is just coming on um, an amazing, you know, amazing ways. So the ability now, so you know, for FuseScore, for example, or our corporate clients, in the past, we weren't really able to localize or translate all our content because the cost of that was too high. N- nowadays, I can literally put a, a video into the system, press a button that's in English, and actually come back with an in, in with a Hindi or Spanish audio as part of the video stream. So as a service, just do that as a service. So now we're, we're literally launching our channels in Hindi and Spanish and so forth, because it's like a dollar a minute type thing for the cost of doing it. So that just wasn't even available three months ago. So that's just transforms what we're able to do. And we're taking that type of technology and embedding that technology into our corporate platform as well for exactly the same reason, right? It means that you look at many of our clients are spending a couple of million a year on translation localization costs. And the quality level of an AI voice, whether that's an English voice or a Hindi or a Spanish voice, right? It's it's almost you can't really take you know take it and the quality of transcription and translation. So in one way, that's a 
it's removing barriers like that so everyone's able to learn mother tongue so whoever you and I want to educate doesn't matter where they're from or what language they speak or how they process information we've got that part done I think the second part then is you know we look at our private lives you know we use YouTube and Google and uh, ChatGBT and Bard and so forth now those are tools we use to learn to find information especially right I don't know something I need to find it I want to learn it so you know my car battery electric car battery um, when and the, actually there's a little 12 volt battery that still powers it if you run out a complete battery right which has happened on occasion uh, um, but both me but both me and the engineer the first thing we do we go to YouTube to work out how to how to recharge a battery or even to open the car how do you open up an electric car when it's got no power right <laughs> yeah. so that's that's the, that's the standard YouTube video for all of us so I think again I think what, what AI is doing there is it allows us to find the content you want much quicker faster so yeah they reckon in corporates they spend 20 30 percent time of you know people trying to find the knowledge they need and you look at what we do today is would either go to a youtube video to, to find that part and obviously therefore the ai behind youtube is really smart to be able to find the right videos for the right time looking at the billions of videos there are and maybe the thousands of videos on the same topic how does it know to find that right relevant video for you same on google right so i might go to google and say well where's the pulley that i push i'm james bond and is it the red wire or the blue wire on this? I haven't yeah. got time to do a degree in thermo- thermonuclear physics. I just need to know red wire or blue wire in, in three seconds. So all of the AI behind that, right, is now absolutely available to companies like us. So we're plugging in all these suites of AI to allow clients, to, you know, individuals to find the answer they need, which means they don't need to, to brain stuff everything anymore, right? In the old way, you say, you start a new job. I'm going to try to train you in everything you might need to know in your first three weeks, right? And the chance you retain that is impossible. No one, no one on the planet is going to ever retain that side. Now, obviously, it's the AI is allowing us to move to models that we just teach you enough, you know, so that you can get going. But all the content and knowledge you need is there. And when you're stuck, learn, you know, find it, apply it, find it and apply it. And if it needs to stay in your memory, get it enough times, it's now part of your behavior. I mean, those are just two examples, right? And I yeah. can probably talk about, well, maybe the third one is, I think it's hyper-personalization. So again, the more, as an example, that understands you and the ability with, with um, AI LLM to predict far smarter, the ability to say, well, what's everything I know about you? What's everything I know about your job, your role, who you are, what you're currently doing, your preferred language, everything I know about that, which is a lot more, your HR systems know a lot more about you and your learning platforms like us than Google does. Mm. But I can take all of that and I know all the content that's currently available in your company. So what do I recommend up to you based upon who you are and what you're doing right now that's most likely to continue in your, in your learning journey. That's how I see it being a real benefit. If you work in an organization and there's you know, lots of opportunity to learn, but my career path, it, it could do it for me. So, you know, I learn one skill and I tell it where I want to get to and it then guides me through different learning yeah. and experiences to get me to that goal. And it adapts on what you learn and what you know. I really like the idea of that. So gone are the days of the of the line manager owning that person's development. It's done sort of organically and very individually. Yeah, and I think there's two bits to learning, right? So I do I do think there is there's a part of you if you divide it in half and you probably have two learning needs. And a company has two learning needs for you. It has one, which is the one you mentioned, that you know, I might be an individual contributor and I want to be a line manager. So what I want is a system to understand that. It understands my future career goals and career paths. How does it recommend all the things I need to understand and need to learn, need to practice to get to that in the, in the way that's suitable to me, at a timeline that's suitable to me. So that's about your, your longer term journey, where you're going next, if you like. And then there's the other part that says, and that's kind of your VP of talent type of version yeah. of learning. So every VP of talent, HR director, that's tend to be what they think about. But then you've got your operational learner that says, well, I work in the sales team. 
or I work in the engineering team and they've got a KPI that says, how do I, how do I get you to be really good at your job now so that I don't get fired or I got promoted? So that's more about every, what we call kind of everyday learning moments. So how do we make those everyday learning moments easy for you? So you're able to search and find that bit of knowledge and apply it so it becomes learning. How do you access best practice? So one of your team has learned something last night that's massively beneficial, that's a shortcut to something where you do it. How does the system know that and know that it's really relevant for you so it helps in your job tomorrow? So there is those everyday learning moments and the AI that helps with that and the feeds and the search and all those type of things and your created paths. And then there's the how do I help you in your longer term ambitions and that path of where you want to get to. When we were talking the other day, you were telling me about the, uh, I think there was five buckets hmm. that you saw sort of the AI fitting into. Do you want to run through those again? Because I, I've, I've used that, by the way, about four or five times since then and, and badged it as my own in conversation. Nice. It's gone nice. down really well, I tell you. You've got a good point there, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always, we always, I think as um, Dali and Steve Jobs used to say, uh, good artists copy, great artists steal. <laughs> yes, and they're very right. <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah so i i take that as a i take that as a compliment so at least five buckets but i guess we create new buckets as we go so one is obviously we mentioned around that whole removing the barrier to language right so the translation localization part again just you know getting to that part where we're almost we're almost pretty much at universal translation a kind of star trek type level the second is that ability to to find the, the information we need that everyday learning moment to do my job so how do i find an answer and reduce the time to task done well. There's a whole piece around that AI content creation, like the example I gave earlier, where you know you get the crowd together, share best practice, get the AI to put it into a 600-word script, and then get an automatic audio podcast <laughs> um, done from that. I'm sure it's not coming for you. No, but that's a great. That's a great. And there's obviously things like you know creating questions automatically. I don't think there's a there's an application company out there that isn't embedding some type of AI assisted content creation into their tool. You know, we are, but so is so is everyone. I think the fourth one then is that that piece that we talked about around recommendations, recommendations at a career level, but also that kind of recommendations every day to stay informed in my job and up to date. Because we again, the data tells us people that are informed up to date perform better than those that, that don't. The fifth one, I think, with more kind of future future looking, is around kind of the uh, AI teacher coach. Again, when I look at few school and that whole democratization piece, where it's great that we created this thousand videos that, that explains all the concepts of second school education. And that's a resource that kids and teachers can use. But now, obviously, the ability to have a coach on the side that says, well, now I now want to get ready for an exam. Take me through the content, you know, ask me questions. But it's not, you're not having to set up that whole system. The system is dynamically uh, personalizing itself and, and coaching and guiding that kid with it. Um, and, and as the example I said, you know, the ability to now create best practice people from a variety of people that, you know, you're a collective intelligent coach is, is pretty exciting. And I think, again, the technology is all there for that. And we're starting to see that the first ones come out. What I might just add is that maybe a, a sixth and a seventh, right? So I think the sixth and the seventh, I think the sixth is probably around automating tasks, right? So, for example, in our platform, there might be seven steps to do something. And using AI, you want to just be able to automate that into one step. So I think there's a productivity piece around automating tasks. And the last one, I think, is around data. So the last one, I, I think, is how do, how do we use AI to interpret data in a, in a way we're making better decisions? So, you know, for us, there are questions for our product, which is, what are the best learning habits to help an individual? It's the ability now to ask natural language questions to a massive data. We're sitting on such a rich data set for our clients. I mean, we have been capturing 300 data points for every client for the last five, five seven years. 
Now, that mass of data, I'm able to ask a natural language question to of anything I wanted, anything that pops in my mind. Like, you know, is there a correlation between line managers in this company and individuals, you know, increasing their engagement? Which I know there is, but I can just ask it in natural mm. language rather than be a data expert to go do that. And I think that's what a lot of this thing is the AI is doing, right? It's allowing us to be closer to the expert in that role without having to actually have all those technical skills. I can be more creative as an artist. I can get information out of data just using natural language. I mean, there's some questions out. Yeah, I was asking, you know, as I mentioned earlier on, for this particular person, what would be the best videos um, based upon what other people are doing? And why would you recommend those videos or that content? Are there certain types of content that certain job roles prefer to others? So, you know, yeah, and actually I had a hypothesis that salespeople watch videos more. No, and it came and it was true. So engineers watch this type more, salespeople watch this type. So anything that we've been curious about, if you've got the, the LM and the AI and you've got that mass amount of data like someone else does, oh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the learning that we've now got as learning professionals is unbelievably exciting. It is really exciting. And I just, I can listen to you for hours. Like the passion that comes out <laughs> is, is absolutely amazing. I'll tell you a really quick story. I bought a buggy. My, my daughter's now 11 months old, my youngest. And we had to go and buy a buggy. And it's like buying a car, right? You've got all these add-ons and it's ridiculous, yeah, as yeah, you yeah. well know. Been there. Um, yeah, yeah. I bought this buggy and tried to put it together. And the book to put it together was like the old yellow pages, right? Absolutely massive. And there was no way I was going to read this book. So I just Googled, how do you put this model together? Come up with a video, 60 seconds long. And I had the whole buggy up in about 10 minutes <laughs> off this 60 second video. Uh, yeah. And I think that's what, and that's what convinced us back in the early days, right? To, I guess, digitize the whole secondary school education system in videos. And, the, and those are the, the, the comments we've been getting for years are, You've explained to me in five minutes what my teacher has been trying to explain to us in the last two, three years. And literally, it's beautiful, right? Because you, you put it out there. And I was, I was an ex-stand-up trainer long, you know, a lifetime ago. And you'd always get that joy of seeing people grow, you know, mm. seeing people go. They come back and go, oh, I've got a new job and I want to say thanks. And that was the kind of reward, reward for your job. And in the digital world, you get less of that. But the little comments you get that with literally a thousand kids come on and go thumbs up or I like that. And it's the same for me, which is I, know, I passed my exam. I didn't understand this, but you made it so simple that I now understand it. And I'm able to be part of that part of that class. Brilliant. Is it, yeah, it's a beautiful thing to watch. But now I think to the point of now what we do, though, with my kids, you know, it's, it's similar age in the, the oldest ones who are 11 or 12. Um, we watch a video, but they don't get it first time. I'll take the transcripts and I'll get them to I'll, I'll recreate the transcripts in something they're interested in. So I might say, take the track. Can you re-explain that for me? Because they get it on the videos at, at 10 times. They might get it first time. But the other 20%, as a good trainer, teacher, you want to try, okay, let me explain it a different way. So I can now say, can you explain this concept of atoms using Marvel superheroes, you know, explain to a 12-year-old. And it, and it makes it more interesting, more exciting. So, or can you explain it with anime, whatever they're, they're, they love, I, I can literally on the fly create that for them and then say, and also give me some questions and tests and so forth that help that. So I think, I think where we're going with this, that's, that's the really hyper-personalised hyper world I think we're coming into. That's so cool because it's true. We remember things that we're passionate about. Of course. If I asked you to tell me your favourite line from a movie or the favourite joke that a comedian said, you could reel it off because it connected with you and you found it super engaging. Yeah, and I think that's a difference with a great teacher. I think one of my kids the other day said, oh, you know, I really don't like this, this, this subject. And I said, well, it's probably not the subject, it's the teacher, right? It's the teacher hasn't found a way to make it interesting to you. Because mm -hmm. my, my kid, he loves art. And he, and he was saying, well, I always start doodling because I like, you know, I start doodling because it's a boring subject. I said, it's actually probably because you find that the, the art more interesting than the subject. 
but the teacher could, if they wanted to, relate that subject back to you. I mean, back in the early days, I did that before we were using technology that you, I did you know, mention to the teachers when they were like really little, uh, understand the alphabet using you know, superheroes like Captain America and Daredevil was the way they learned the alphabet towards it. So I think, again, I think the technology just allows us, AI allows us to automate that part and to find that thing you're interested in to connect what we want you to learn with the thing you're interested in. And the technique, right? So some people are video, some people an article, some people yeah. are a project, you know, whatever it happens to be. Are you ready to elevate your team's ways of working? Are you seeking fresh insights and growth opportunities? Our experts will assess your team's practices, providing valuable insights for improvement and celebration. Reward and recognize your team with this certification tailored specifically for creating an improvement culture. The BQF Academy accreditation acknowledges your journey, outstanding outcomes and future plans. Whether you utilize Lean, Six Sigma, project management or continuous improvement techniques, this certification celebrates your incredible work and positive impact. Propel your team's performance to new heights with the BQF Team Excellence Culture Certification. Visit www.bqf.org.uk today and let's celebrate your success together. 13-time single prize winner, Dr. Jeffrey Liker and Toyota Kata author, Mike Rother have created the Improvement Kata and Coaching Kata online course. This inexpensive compact program is designed to transform your thinking and approach, making you a highly skilled learner and coach. Engage in deliberate practice to turbocharge your progress. You also get lifetime access to the materials, including all of the bonus interviews. Why pay up to 10 times the price elsewhere? Listening to some consultant when you can gain direct insights from the masters themselves. Skip the rest and go with the best. Join us today and embark on your journey to excellence. Just click on the link below to start your journey. Yeah, it's true. At school, I hated history, right? Because my teacher was really boring. Now, mm. National Trust castles, I visit them all. Because when you get there, <laughs> you can put the headset yeah. on and you go around and you've got a guided yeah, yeah, tour yeah. and it talks to you and the videos reenact what happened. And it's just so engaging. It's brilliant. Well, we had, well, again, to that story, I had a history teacher that would, um, the most memorable one, I still remember today, and it come in a room and said, who do you think Stalin was? Was this Stalin? You know, he comes in, hey, I'm Stalin. <laughs> or am I Stalin? Like, you know, but you remember, you're like, whoa. But, you know, so it's, your head. it's engaging and interesting. <laughs> and you look at, we're one of, you know, many, many YouTube channels, right? But we have, you know, five, 10 million kids use it all the time towards it. And it has been about how do you introduce storytelling how do you introduce the make it simple to understand? Because there are some of those barriers are it's just I don't get it because the explanation and therefore I'm turned out, or it's just too long and, and it goes on too much. So there are loads of techniques that I think social media has taught us about how you keep and maintain attention. What I like about it is you, you can pause it and go back to it, or you can just skip that one well, and find another one. <laughs> yeah, and that's the key to digital learning. Digital learning done well, not the old next, next, next stuff. You never <laughs> yeah. want to go back to that. I mean, the data tells us nobody goes back unless they have to, right? But I think it's interesting, again, you look at the behavior, of, even for my kids watching a few school video, they will pause it and they'll stop and they'll go back and they will then go through it a couple of times. But it's interesting though, because they, if they use that video in a classroom, they're still running it in the old way, right? It's still, everyone watches it begins to the end. No one gets to stop it. 
that you put a PC in front of them, a mobile phone in front of them, and say you're now in charge to answer the question. We did this as an experiment years ago, like in South Africa, and we bought a, a bunch of twenty pound cheap phones, gave it to the school, and then downloaded the mass content on towards it. And they changed the, for a couple of weeks. They changed the style of education, and everyone was running a project in a group of two. They're able to answer their own questions and learn from the mobile phones. And the teachers spend four times more time facilitating, coaching, helping, rather than being deliver the message and 95% of the kids was like, I love this, right? I love it, right? Because to your bit, if they don't get it, they're able to go back. They don't have to run at that pace that everybody else is running at that we're all exactly programmed the same way. And we've mm-hmm. perfectly tuned in the way of learning that everybody's going to get it first time around. It's just, I mean, it's okay before technology came. You've got 30 kids in that class. You know, not everybody is going to pick up the information at the same pace. So be able to do that. All, is... all with the same explanation, right? All the explanation yeah. was showed. And therefore, therefore, I absolutely do believe that, you know, digital education is, is absolutely core to it. And having personalized devices, laptops, PCs, tablets, and so forth, right, that allows the kids to be able to run at, that, run at their own way. And bear in mind that, you know, whether that's a kid or whether that's an adult, we're all neurological diff- different, right? So, and if you look at the, the groups of us that are uh, neurodivergent, people with dyslexia or ADHD or autism and so forth, of course, we're all going to learn a different way. So how can yeah. those 15 or 20% of people that are neurodivergent, which is the same as in companies, especially in tech companies, where it's probably even more, and everyone's given the same way of learning? It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is when you think about it, but we've done it for so many years. It's like, what? Well, because it was an alternative, right? Because it was, there wasn't an easy alternative. So you just, I think, again, did it the way we always did because it wasn't a better way. So you just do the best you can with the tools you've got. The exciting thing is now there's, there's not the only way anymore. You can now absolutely yeah. personalise it to the individual and to the context. Yeah, it's funny. I struggled at school really badly, just couldn't absorb information, was told I'd never be anything. I'd be, you know, that was it for me because I'd messed it all up. But as an adult, I find learning so much easier because I can learn it in my own way, at my own pace and in the style that I know that I'll absorb it. Yeah, and the same for me. Like as, as a kid, I think I did the minimum minimum to get through each each part, right? So, you know, right the way through to university, but I still said the same, what's the minimum to get an honours degree, right? Right, because you know, so it was always the minimum the minimum work I could do to get to, to get through to get through towards it. But as soon as I graduated, then they started uh, there was a my first company I worked for, there was a correlation between how many exams, technology exams you passed, how much you paid. so I passed a hundred exams and by twenty five I was the most qualified person in Europe in, in this area. Because wow. there was a motivation, right? There yeah. was a, there was a motiva- there was mo- and there's a 25 year old kid, right? There's probably a bigger motivation towards finance because I want to be able to support yourself, you know, look after myself back then. So, yeah, I think to your point, right? Motivation to learning because when you're a kid and you want, you got to learn cosines and and that type of stuff. We I mean, think why? I mean, yeah. my kids are always coming back, Daddy. Why do you need to learn this? And I've got to try to explain some context. But sometimes they come back and go, Daddy, why am I learning Mandarin? My wife's Italian. They're saying, Why are we learning French? I don't, yeah, you probably should be learning Italian. I don't really know why you've got to learn French, not Italian. <laughs> it's a good question. It'd be not handy. Yeah. It could be great. And they're only learning Chinese because they Mandarin because they're um, they love Japanese and they figure that's the closest language to anime characters. Oh. I mean, they can sing songs. They can sing songs in Japanese. Wow! But they, they've got like five words in Chinese, which they got lessons to for the last five years. So something's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. French. We were forced to do French and German until year nine when I was at school, and the only words that I remember are the rude ones. <laughs> Doesn't surprise you, I expect. Good way to learn a language, isn't it? Connecting with the rude words. Yeah, yeah. The problem was, right, at, at, at that age, I was still learning English. Yet then I'm going from an English class to a German class, then to a French class. I was still, even now, my English is pretty naff. And, and I'm still trying to learn it. It's just, it's mad. Anyway, I've taken us on a bit of a tangent, Steve. I, I do that. I do that a lot. So 
AI, it has the potential to augment human capabilities in like lots of different fields. How do you strike the right balance between AI-driven automation and the human touch in learning experiences offered by Fuse? How are you doing that? I think that's it's super interesting, right? Because you know we've come from a belief of community and social being absolutely kind of a core part to to adult learning. So you know, first generation digital learning was all about that next, next, next approach. I think the approach that we really championed was social learning and user generated content, the YouTube style way in corporates. How do you how do you codify best practice of a of a, of a company so everyone can learn from the best person? And you're, then you're you're adding AI in towards that and say, well. What we again, you look at YouTube, right? What, what does YouTube do? YouTube on the homepage towards it understands the billions of videos it's got, the billions of users it's got, and it makes you come back every day. I mean, I go to YouTube pretty much every day to the homepage, 15 minutes a day, because I know there's going to be a, a few bits of recommendations towards that. So the machine learning and the, and the AI around that, right, I, I think is hugely interesting on just on that one bit. So it makes already what you've got far more valuable because it's getting the right content to the right the right the right people. I think the same thing on creativity of individuals. So as the example I gave before, the ability to bring in a group of people, digitize their best practice, enhance it, and then find the right people to give it to is is amazing. I mean it's it's not that radically different to what we did in the first generation. First generation was we go find the expert in a company, we then interview them on the on the area of expertise, and then we then visualize that video. And that's kind of the heart of our our YouTube channels and our, and our digital content we create for, for our help our corporates create. I, I do believe, right, that human plus AI beats the human and it beats AI. Yeah. So this is why I, I absolutely think we have to, or, or if you're smart enough, you embrace it and, and you work out how does it give you the competitive advantage and not how you try and compete against it. I think you compete against it. I think it's going to be hard. Yeah, oh, I think you're on a hide into nothing if you try and do that because because it is here mm. and it's been around for a while as well. And, and you look some of the examples you've given show that. But the speed of it, the speed of it now, right? In the last, I mean, ChatGPT entering the marketplace, right? Just supercharged it all. You know, before that, there were parts of AI that were interesting, and the market was moving along at a pretty steady pace. It's now last six months. You know, it's absolutely supercharged since you know November last year, and then the whole of this year. And now what you see is. Literally every every week or every two weeks, there's a step change mm. in, in the quality of an area, whether that's on the AI translation bit, whether that's on the data analysis piece towards it. And, and you know, it was, first of all, just ChatGPT. Then it was that plus Google with Bard. Now Claude and Claude Anthropic is amazing. AWS and, and Amazon stuff is, is hugely interesting. And now we're kind of sport for choice, right? Now we're figuring which one do you choose? Mm. I mean, a problem six months ago was, is it all about ChatGPT? It's not, it's not anymore, right? I mean, you look at most of the other ones and they are cheaper and better in, in many areas than, than that is. And now we're sport for choice. But there's no doubt, right, there's a race and the evolution of this is acceleration. And, and that's not going to slow down, I think, in the next next 12 months at least. But you make a really good point, though, with, with AI technology constantly evolving at such a speed. Yeah. What are some of the challenges and considerations that you face or you think will be faced in the future by integrating AI into our learning platforms? I mean, I think there is one around kind of the ethics, bias and those type of things, right? I think people have to get comfortable with that with that piece. And we and companies like us and others have to give a really, have to really think that through. So, you know, some of the examples go today, voice cloning. I mean, we have, there's the ability in our, the ability with us and our partners, we are already cloning some of our voice actors inside Fuse. Um, so when they're on holiday or they've got too much content to do, but there, there's ethics around that. How is that person comfortable? Are they okay to license that? What if they leave the company? There are things around that. I mean, you've now got video, video cloning. So the ability to clone a version of us 
so we can actually put words into it and it looks like us sounds like us and it's lip sync towards us to what that all exists right those are technologies that are there with it comes a whole variety of ethical you know uh, components to be considered on recommendations you have to make sure that the bias of the recommendation engine isn't coming through from something that's coming through inside that way so and then you've got regional laws right how Germany with work councils is going to treat things differently to maybe, you know, the US and, and so forth. So I think you've got a, a variety of, of things to think about in that element. I do think the good thing is, though, is that most learning leaders and business people are massively open minded. So it's gone from a conversation a year ago on this topic. People would have been, I'm kind of interested, but I'm going to do my leadership course. Right. I'm going to focus on my face to face leadership training. Now it's people are hungry. Right? Every learning leader I, I speak to is uber keen to understand it understand how it plays and understand what they should be doing. And, and, and that's, a, that's a pretty cool place to, to be inside it. So I think that the openness and the acceptance that this is going to change our world in the same way that in learning, we went from, you know, purely classroom training, digital learning. And it's like fire, right? It is the invention of fire. I do think it's as big as that, right? It is as big as that. And it is a mindset of, go, what can you do? Well, I can, heat, I, can, I can be warm. Yeah, but that's, a pretty, that's just pretty limited. You can also burn you know, metals to actually assemble things or fuse things together and certain type of things towards it. The ability once you have fire, there's a whole bunch of stuff you probably haven't thought about. And that's where we are with this tool. There's, a, there's things we haven't thought about and even things we just bump into. Like, you know, I mentioned the other day, my mate of mine who's writing a book in the company, Ryan, right? it's a beautiful book he's writing. And I just cloned his, you know, as a laugh, took a video down from Fuse, cloned his voice, put it across his book, uh, recorded it to get him to read me the book back. And then I WhatsApped him his message of him reading his own book back. And he was like, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> but yeah, but it's, there you go. And now we do the same thing, but with a video of him like doing it, you know, and actually type in the video. Actually, can you make Ryan in 20 years time? Can you make Ryan as a, as a 10 year old kid and change that on more or less on the fly towards it all? Yeah, but it's exciting. But also, I, I think the, like I said, you've, you want to make sure you don't, you, you don't run in a way and you don't forget some of the, those, those ethics and bias and, and mm. certain things towards it. Yeah, I can see there being some big issues with terms of the ethics and stuff coming up in the future because people people don't think sometimes and you can just see things happening that shouldn't happen. Well, you look at what's happening in, in America with the, you know, the actors' guilds and so forth, right? Without yeah. thinking about it, you can, you know, there are there are implications you, you've got to consider, right? So I think for us, it's a big thing for us. It's and we're making sure whatever partners we're choosing, we're really making sure those partners really are, are they've understood it, they've thought through. And you know, and everyone's gonna have their niche part. What does it mean to a company that does voice, you know, AI voice, AI translations to what does it mean to a company that does skills recommendations and so forth? So, you know, we need to understand both sides towards that so that everybody is comfortable. And also doesn't use it as an excuse to say, Oh, you know, it's my it's my get out of jail free card. Yeah. I can go back to my face-to-face leadership courses and just do that and pretend that AI can't be used because of this reason type thing. Yeah, I really like the idea of using AI so I can be on multiple different conference calls at the same time. And it and it does, it asks the right questions in my voice and it notes the notes for me and gives them back to me. I love the idea of that. That's brilliant. That's the future. Um, okay, so with the ever-increasing demand for AI skills in the job market, how does Fuse incorporate AI education and training within its platform to equip learners with the necessary skills for future work? So we're a learning platform we don't come with a big library, right? So it's not like we're not competing with LinkedIn or Udemy. We're the platform that connects other things together and, and allows companies to put its own digital knowledge and to, and to codify its own knowledge and get that knowledge out there and learning out there towards it. So if you like, we're a, an LMS and, and an LXP with a big layer at the heart of it around the AI in terms of it. All those five, six buckets we talked about are buckets that we either have infused or accelerating into it. So for example, if we, you know, we have automated you know, AI transcription across 50 languages. 
translation. So you could put a piece of content in, it will transcribe it, index it, understand it, tag it, and then translate it in all on the fly as you, you, put, the, you put the content into what's there. We, we have Google's AI actually embedded into our platform. So the ability to ask that natural language question of, should I cut the red wire or the blue wire? <laughs> so, you know, so, so ability to find that right answer to, towards it. So all those buckets we talked about before are either things we have in our platform already, which we have either maybe have licensed from an Amazon or a Google or a Microsoft and OpenAI, or it's, it's bringing in companies that are niche providers. Like we have a great partner that does all skills recommendations. And by partnering with them, it gives us that, that full path. So they may deal with all of the, the skills management piece and the, what skills you have and look at the job market. So we'll take the feed from them to understand about you, what job you want, what skills you need, what your gaps are. And we'll automatically then say, well, you've also, your company's given you access to Udemy, LinkedIn, Workday LMS, content on Fuse. But because of all that, and I know where you want to go, here's the two or three things we recommend that you do. So that's combining all that type side. But maybe your, your preferred language is French. We're going to know that your first language is French. One of your, your person has uploaded a video. So we're going to recommend that video is going to help you do your job tomorrow better because you just had an update on a procedure or a, a new product that you need to stay up to date with. So it's really looking at, at all the elements we talked about and both those two halves, that career path piece, but also how do I help you be better today and, and make you the best you can be in your current job? So interesting, honestly. An hour is not enough for us to delve into this. There's so much <laughs> I could ask you. Um, I now need to take you into a world where AI will not help you, Steve. I need to take you into the world of the yes/no game. Rob, I've got a bit of AI in the background. Yeah, he's running for. Yeah, fa a fake. Hopefully, Steve. better than the bookmakers. <laughs> yeah. Better than the bookmakers, hopefully. <laughs> so basically, the way this works is I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock, uh, and I'm going to ask you questions about a given subject, which you will choose in a second. Okay. And basically, you just cannot say yes or no. You can say anything else, but not yes or no. And I'm going to try and get you to say it. And if you hear the gong, that means you said yes or no, or a variance <laughs> of yes or no. <laughs> All right. So I've got three cards in front of me, each with a different subject. Um, do you want card number one, card number two, or card number three? Let's go for three. Card number three is London. London tan. It's all about London. Heard of that? You heard of it? Yeah. You, you've been. You're in London, aren't yeah. you? You're based in London. I am. Right. You should be good at this then. Just remember, you can't say yes or no. Right. I've got 60 seconds loaded for you, Steve. You can say anything apart from the two words yes or no. Is London the capital city of England? It, it is the capital city of England. What are some of the must-visit hidden gems or lesser-known attractions in London that you would recommend to others? Camden Market and the, and the Japan Craft Shop that's just opened up. My kid's going to go crazy later on when we take them there. Sounds good. You say Camden Market was the first one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I didn't even see that. Gotcha. See gotcha. That <laughs> it's the follow up, you see. I snuck round the back. Bang, oh, you're out. That was good. I didn't see that one coming. Wow. It wasn't bad. So what was that about 15 seconds, was it? Well, I don't know off the top of the head. It's probably not far off. Well, we did three. We did uh, three, no, two questions. Two questions and a follow up. Wow, the follow up. Next one was Does London have a large underground transportation system called the Tube? 
Well, I think that would have been all right. That would have been all right, wouldn't it? I think it was a follow-up question. I just wasn't expecting the follow-up question. That was a good little cheeky tactic. Exactly. Yeah. Clever, isn't it? So talking to the tube, I went on the Elizabeth line for the first time the other day, mm. and it's so good. It's like a different world. It's like the airport-type trains, isn't it, with the doors that open, it's all shut off. It's brilliant. We did get really excited. I, I, took, my, I took my kids on it and got really excited by going there. But then we did actually realise it, it, it kind of does the same thing, really, as most <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't smell <laughs> yeah. the same. You don't feel as stuffy because of the air conditioning. It's brilliant. It wasn't as bad as once. I think my wife was going there and she, we, one of the kids, one of the twins, got um, missed them on the at the door opening and bam, inside <sighs> there. It was only, I think it was about nine, eight or, eight or nine. I think eight maybe. Uh, um, but someone else obviously tried to help him. But first he was really good and say, and he said, like, you know, I can't talk to you, you're a stranger. But then eventually he did get some help and they took him to the police. Uh, and I, I remember saw him, we obviously we all panicked and it was all fine when we found him. And well, I said to him after in the evening when I, I saw him, I said, you know, say, you know, were you scared? He goes, no, daddy. What we had you feel? Just a bit embarrassed. <laughs> oh, bless <laughs> that, him. That was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah. Was pretty cool. He's, oh, he's cool gosh. But everyone was watching. That's probably mm. what made him feel a bit embarrassed. Oh, I would have been yeah, thinking about him just sitting on that train by himself. Was, yeah, but lucky it was him. He's probably the uh, um, yeah, the most the most robust of all the money. Oh, bless him. Yeah, handle, handle the moment. Right. Well, thank you so much, Steve. It's been a, a real pleasure having you on today. Um, before I let you go, let us know where people can find Fuse School and where they can learn more about you and what you do. So FuseUniversal.com is the, the company, the corporate company, the AI learner platform. Fuse School is probably best through our YouTube channel. So uh, just go to YouTube and type Fuse School in or um, the website, so FuseSchool.org. Uh, and personally, anyone wants to reach out, send us a LinkedIn message, um, just Steve Deneen on, on LinkedIn and feel happy to DM me to want to ask any questions. Well, thank you so much, Steve. It's been an absolute pleasure and I've loved hearing about what you're doing at Fuse. And um, yeah, I'm going to be an avid learner on Fuse and I'm going to get my son onto Fuse School as well. Perfect. Well, cheers, Matt. Really appreciate the opportunity. Some key takeaways from today's discussion with Steve. Now, what I really love about Steve is he challenges the conventional approach to learning by advocating for personalised learning experiences that AI can provide. He believes that educators often design learning based on their own preferences rather than adapting to individual needs. Now, Steve's perspective contrasts with the traditional methods that involve passive learning, where information is presented and then expected to be retained and applied. An approach that rarely achieves the desired outputs, as I'm sure you'll agree. We've all experienced it. Ask yourself, did I enjoy that? And did I retain the knowledge? The answer is almost certainly no. Certainly for me, anyway. Steve shared intriguing examples of harnessing collective intelligence with his team, enhancing it by using AI technology. One fascinating use case involved incorporating the voice of celebrities to make the content more engaging. Now, there is an ethical issue here and probably a legal issue too in terms of copyright, but absolutely brilliant. So inventive and really paves the way for the future. Now, addressing concerns about AI and job displacement, Steve offered a thought-provoking insight. He said it's not AI that's going to take your job. It's someone using AI that will take your job. He draws parallels to the transition from landlines to mobile phones, suggesting that embracing AI is critical for professional growth. There's still people out there now that have only got landlines, by the way. I've met some of them. I've got a landline. I couldn't tell you what the number is, though. I don't use it. It just comes with the broadband, but I don't use it. It just sits there dormant. That's waste. <laughs> right, Steve emphasised that AI is a powerful tool for improvement across various aspects of the workplace. 
He mentioned that AI enhances his products and services, accelerates his educational mission through the Fuse School, and streamlines internal processes such as data analysis and sales and marketing trends. Furthermore, Steve identified three key areas where AI accelerates learning, breaking down language barriers, facilitating quick access to relevant information, and enabling hyper-personalization. He envisions a learning model where AI provides foundational knowledge and continuously feeds relevant content to learners, ensuring better attention and application. Steve categorized AI's role into seven main buckets. He said removing language barriers, AI eliminates language obstacles and enables instant localization of content. Number two, he said quick answers. AI assists in finding everyday solutions to job-related queries. Content creation. AI aids in generating relevant and engaging content. Number four, recommendations. AI offers personalized recommendations for career development and growth. Number five, he said teaching and coaching. AI serves as a teacher or coach, tailoring content to improve engagement and retention. Task automization. AI automates tasks, simplifying process and boosts productivity. Number seven, data interpretation. AI analyzes complex data, empowering decision-making without requiring specialized expertise. Steve's insights emphasize the transformative potential of AI in learning and beyond. He envisions a future where AI-driven personalization and efficiency redefine how we learn, work, and make informed decisions. Like it, love it, or fear it, AI is here and it's changing the world as we know it. It's part of our lives. It'll be part of our children's lives and our grandchildren's lives and so on. The pace of development is lightning fast. The potential unimaginable. In business and learning world, it's opening up new opportunities almost weekly. For me, these are really exciting times. That brings us to an end of this episode of the Ever Celine podcast. Thanks so much for Steve for joining us today and giving us a bit of an insight into his views on AI and what it's doing in the learning world. So much to come, so much happening already, and it's all happening so fast as well. Super exciting times. If you like the sound of today's show and would like to hear more, please subscribe and follow the Eversaline podcast at eversaline.com, where you'll also find episodes that you may have missed. If you can, please take a moment to like and review the Eversaline podcast on the platform that you listened on. I'd be extremely grateful, and your review really does mean so much. If you're on the socials, give us a like and a follow. Let me know all about your lean and learning efforts. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. And don't forget, Eversaline, you know it makes sense. The Everseline podcast is researched, produced and recorded by Matt Sims. Visit everseline.com to find out more.